We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Home and home. The poll question of the day. The Jags have one foot out the door. The Red Sox shipped out the second best player in baseball because they suddenly can't afford him which fan base do you feel worse for and uh, almost all of you say not feeling bad for the rich championship laden boston market 77 percent of you feel worse for jacksonville feels like the jags have one foot two home games out the door we'll talk to chaps from barstool lifelong jags fan about how this feels he's got a great analogy for us Coming up, it's a hump day home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire in 2020. Speaking of 2020, the 2020 Democratic primary process moves on like the Patriots are on to Cincinnati. The Democrats are on to New Hampshire. The first in the country primary is on Tuesday. The Iowa caucus debacle is where we start the news at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. And for those of you catching this on demand, the winner of the Iowa caucus debacle, the meltdown on the app the day before wouldn't allow them to release results until the day later. And Mayor Pete on top, slightly edging out Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden finishing well back in the pack behind Elizabeth Warren Ross, Mayor Pete, how do you say his last name? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Wow. You you had it right out of the gate. Buttigieg. America's still learning how to say his name, and he's the big loser out of this whole process. Even though he won the state, he got no buzz, no bounce from it, because all the talk is about the debacle. Who won? I think Joe Biden who ordinarily we would have focused on him finishing fourth, a distant fourth, or another winner, Michael Bloomberg, who skipped Iowa, sat that out. No damage done to him because no one cares what happened in Iowa. But Ross, I said when we started this program, the State of the Union is fucked. And last night was proof. The State of the Union address from President Trump to Congress, to the joint session, to the entire country was ugly from the start and far uglier in the end. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, reached out her hand to shake the president's hand despite all that's gone on with impeachment. He did not shake her hand, so decorum was out from the start. In the middle, an interesting note, Rush Limbaugh, famed Republican conservative radio host, got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He has advanced lung cancer. He was there, but the end was the signature moment and why our State of the Union is effed. Nancy Pelosi took the speech delivered from President Trump and Ross, she tore it up in multiple pieces right to the president's face. And that's why if you check Twitter this morning, 
The number one trending topic is Pelosi tantrum. Number two, Nancy the Ripper. And number three, Nancy Pelosi rocks. What do you make of the theatrics and the ugliness last night on Capitol Hill? Nancy the Ripper is pretty funny. Um, yeah. I like that. Uh, you know, Dave, I heard a little bit about this, but not much. So I like this segment where you educate me and I show my ignorance and how little I pay attention. Uh, I got to go. So I don't like Trump not shaking her hand just as much as I, I don't like her ripping up the speech. Again, I, I don't I'm not political. I'm, I guess, apolitical for the most part. I think that it should never get to that point on either side. And I think that's disrespectful both ways. Trump not shaking your hand and her, you know, ripping up the speech. I don't understand. Why does she have a copy of the speech in her hand? They always deliver a speech to the vice president and to the speaker of the house who sit right behind the president on that camera shot. That is customary every state of the union address. God, they give them a hand. They they give them a, co a paper copy. They give okay. him a copy, and usually he signs it for those who want it. <laughs> Clearly, there was no signature, no autograph on that one, bro. You know what? You know what would be sweet if somebody picked up those paper scraps. You could sell that for a lot. That would be a, that would be a sports memorabilia item, if you will. The paper oh, scraps yeah. from the speech. I got another question. Uh, what's the name of this segment? Ignorance with Ross Tucker. Um, how is a mayor from South Bend, Indiana, even like on the radar screen? How is that even a thing? Well, that's a very interesting question. And, and part of politics is inherent sexism. Look, if a woman had that type of experience, she would be ridiculed. She would never make it to that stage. Now, Mayor Pete Buttigieg isn't just a small-town mayor. I mean, he's a Rhodes Scholar. He served in the military in Afghanistan. He has got about as well-rounded as an education, experience with national security and in the military and with government. He has done more in his years uh, than, than, heck, let's just say it, he's more experienced by tenfold than Donald Trump was when he won the White House. So on one hand, yeah, it's insane to think of someone uh, rising to that level with that type of experience. On the other hand, far more experienced than was Donald Trump, who won the White House. Would a woman ever rise to that stage? No way, no how, no chance. A very intelligent, well-spoken, and part of the picture is, if you don't know much about Mayor Pete, he is gay, one particular uh, caucus leader in Iowa, when they found that out, apparently didn't know somehow, even though that has been part of the narrative from the beginning, threw a fit and wanted to change her vote after finding out he's gay. I think it says a lot about our country, how far we've come, though, that a gay man is accepted to this level. And I think that is great news, no matter who wins the nomination. Yeah, um, I know we're going to get to Uncle Chaps soon. I just have a quick question. Maybe we can ask it for Uncle Chaps. So obviously I'm not feeling great, Dave. And yeah. so I went during the three-minute break and got myself some tea. Unfortunately, I apparently ripped the tea bag 
putting it into my water, my cup of hot water. Okay. So what are my options here? Do I just have to pour it out or can I still sip it and just try to not eat the tea? Oof. I think eating tea would be very unfortunate. I would try to like let it sit for a while, let it fall all to the bottom. But ultimately, I think you're going to have to pour that out unless you have one of those tea strainers or, or a small strainer that you could pour it back into. But, bro, uh, you're doing all right in life. So pour it out. Get yourself another tea bag. That I know you can't afford. Got some more sports news I want to get to later in the program. But first, let's talk about our poll question, which was, which fan base do you feel worse for? Red Sox, having watched the $6.6 billion Red Sox give away the second best player in baseball, or the Jacksonville Jaguars base, who feels like they have one foot, two home games out the door. Let's talk about it with Uncle Chaps from Barstool Sports, who had a great analogy about the Jags leaving town, or it feels like they're leaving town. Good to have you, my friend. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. You said this is like when dad moves out while he and mom work on things. Bro, how are you feeling this morning as a lifelong Jags fan? I honestly thought that Ross was going to make a tea joke at me whenever that first came because they're going to London. It's like, here we go. I got to buckle up. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not feeling great, fellas. I got to be honest with you. Being a Jags fan is not been good for a long time. I mean, since Jack Del Rio was looking handsome in his leather jacket standing on the side, we've had some rough goes of it. We thought we were coming back in 2017 when you had a good defense, a young offense, and we thought that we were right on the right track, and we really were a play away from the Super Bowl. If Miles Jack doesn't get called down in the AFC Championship, I believe the Jags go up 18, and they win that game in New England and go to the Super Bowl. Now, it feels like that was decades ago. That might as well have been Mark Brunell at quarterback instead of Blake Bortles. All right, so Uncle Chaps, good to talk with you, man. Uh, thank you, by the way, so much for your service. Dave Thank and I, I know, both feel that way. Uh, much appreciated. You know, it's funny, Uncle Chaps, when, when it first came out that the Jags were going to play a game in London each year, I was working for another outlet, and we had a lot of fans call from Jacksonville, and I was amazed how many of them were totally fine with it and said, this is great, that we're going to get more revenue from this, we're going to get fans over there, more revenue for us back here. And also, my season tickets are cheaper now. My season tickets are one-eighth cheaper. And I only have to pay for, you know, nine games with the preseason rather than ten. There was not a lot of animosity. I have to think, now that it's two, that that can't quite be what Jags fans are going to have as a reaction now. What have you heard from other Jags fans about this latest announcement? Yeah, I mean, just from my Twitter timeline and talking to people that are in Jacksonville, it is completely different. When they announced the initial deal, you kind of look at it, the stadium in Jacksonville needed upgrades. They needed to have the big scoreboards put in. They put in the pool. They did a lot of things in Jacksonville that kind of made them going and playing one game almost seem a little bit worth it. Like you knew you were losing one game, but there's financial viability and you have all the ownership, the president talking about that. Now it just feels so different. You look at all the different tea leaves. You look that Chad Khan owns part of Wembley stadium. 
He owns an English Premier League soccer team over there in Fulham. It feels so different that the team just might leave. And you've seen and we've seen it now with San Diego not having a team, St. Louis not having a team. You really do look it does feel like dad has one foot out the door and he's about to leave. Yeah, let's I want to talk more about that analogy, chaps. I love me some good analogies. And check him out, by the way, at Uncle Chaps on Twitter, Chaps and Kate on the uh, Kate at Barstool. Great show you guys have. What's that feeling like when when mom and dad tell you they're going to work on things? And again, like you've been a lifelong Jags fan. So how, how painful does it feel? Do you feel like it is realistic that they are going to relocate the franchise? And how painful would that be? It'd be extremely painful, one, because I'd immediately have to go get a tattoo to cover up my Jags tattoo that I have on my arm. I'd have to go get a big red <laughs> X through it. I would be done with them immediately. But in 1993, I was in the third grade in Jacksonville, Florida, and I, whenever we watched the announcement happen on Channel 4 there in Jacksonville, we were all watching it, gathered around the TV. We knew that it might be coming down. The news might be coming down. I immediately went out with my family and Almost all of my wardrobe was had a Jaguar on it. And it was the logo originally that kind of looked like the Jaguar car logo. Um, and then they had to change it. All my clothes were that way. I got made fun of. It's cool. A lot of people weren't into it at first. But the Jags were my real sports love. I mean, I grew up a Braves fan because they were on TBS. I grew up an Orlando Magic fan. But my city only had one team. Jacksonville was on the map, really, in the United States because of the Jaguars. I've lived away. I was in the Marine Corps for almost 10 years. I live in San Antonio now. My only real tie to my hometown is that team that I watch 16 times a year on Sundays. That's it. If that leaves, to me, it really feels like a deep part of my childhood, my young adolescence, is gone with it. And there will be no replacing it. The Jags, to me, are irreplaceable for the community of Jacksonville. So uncle chaps, um, I'm going to, I'm going to rat him out now. And Dave Briggs has been, <laughs> since we started doing this show, very skeptical that Jacksonville is even deserving of an NFL team because of the size of the market <laughs> and all those things. So not. I want you, I want you, uh, Uncle Chaps, explain to us, answer that question. Is Jacksonville as a city worthy of having an NFL franchise? Yes, they no. are, Dave. What's wrong with you? They've had it for almost 20 years. There is no such thing as a bad fan base in the NFL. There really isn't. Even if you look at a team like the Denver Broncos, 300 straight sellouts. Now, the last two or three years, they've been a worse team. They've been a team that didn't expect to go to the playoffs. They are struggling with attendance. The Buffalo Bills struggled with attendance whenever they were bad. Now, you can't hardly buy a ticket because they are in second place in the AFC. East. So if you win, your stadium will be filled in the NFL. They have been 38 and 90 since Shad took over as the owner. No one, no matter what, if you're a Steeler, if you're a Giants fan, no matter what, if you have that record, your stadium won't be filled either. It has nothing to do with Jacksonville. Dude, come on, Uncle Chaps. 
Look, I'm disappointed at the moment in the Bay Area fan base who didn't post in the top 10 of television ratings in their own fucking Super Bowl. That's pathetic. You've got to give me a better explanation why Jacksonville deserves a professional sports franchise. Name for me a worse city, a worse fan base in the NFL than Jacksonville. And by the way, 27th in attendance, 8.7% drop. Name for me one worse fan base slash city in the NFL. Uh, the Dolphins, by far. I, I think the, <laughs> the Dolphins are terrible. Tampa's bad. Um, Cincy was blacked out for essentially forever. And all those teams are because they're bad. If they win, whenever you go back to the early 90s and the early 2000s, whenever they were consistently going to the playoffs, that wasn't the case. Even as soon as 2010, they weren't in there. There was 97% filled. They have one of the bigger stadiums in the NFL and the smallest market. Um, I just don't think that any of the teams that, it, to, to be honest, Jacksonville <laughs> deserving, no. But they have the team oh. now. Like, if Jacksonville as a city, on its own merit, do they deserve having an NFL franchise? Probably not. They're not one of the top 32 teams market-wise and things like that in the country. But they have it. Green Bay, if you were handing out teams right now, Green Bay surely wouldn't have a team, right? Right, but they have the best fan base in the country. Well, because that's what they have. Like that, you're, You can make the same exact argument for Jacksonville that you could build something like that, but Green Bay has been perpetual right. winners throughout, so they are tied to that city. We haven't even had, the, we haven't even had time with really with 25 years of being a team to build a second generation or a third generation of fans. Everybody that's there, my generations are the first ones that we grew up as Jacks fans to have the opportunity to bring our kids to. That is the first time that this has happened for us. Uh, all right, Uncle Chaps, here's, I want you to hear what Shad Khan said when he was asked about people's concerns that the team could eventually move to Jackson to London and get your reaction. Here's what Shad Khan said yesterday. My opinion is uh, that you know we play two back-to-back -back games in London. What do you tell Jaguars fans that think the team is then moving? Okay, uh, you got to remember, eight years ago, uh, you know when I was introduced in Jacksonville, the the rumors were the team had been moving for years before mm -hmm. that. Okay. I've always said this, and I think our actions really have proven uh, that's the most important thing, you know, judge actions, not words, uh, is we want to invest in the area, we want to keep the Jaguars in the area, but we want them to be vital, competitive, and, uh, you know, a force in the area to help the growth uh, economy, the vitality, and bring energy. All right. So, first of all, Whenever anybody starts to answer with, okay, it's clear that they've been like prepped on that. They right. know it's coming and they know what they're supposed to say. When that question comes, you represent the Jags franchise, Uncle Chaps. What percentage of Jags fans now believe that Shad Khan wants this team to eventually be the London Jaguars or Shagwars? Uh, 
I, I would say probably 50 at this point. And look, I've been on the record. I've talked about it a lot. I love Shad's story. Of all the owners that are in the NFL, I think that he represents the American dream. He moved to America. He was 17 years old. He's from Pakistan, goes to the University of Illinois at Champaign, gets an engineering degree, builds a bumper that he sells to his company. He eventually buys that company, and now he's worth 7.4 billion dollars he is the embodiment of what the american dream looks like an immigrant that comes here and does amazing and is a leader in in business and social life and all those things that being said he's the owner of the team that i root for this seems like a money grab and the viability thing drives me insane when he when he bought the team eight years ago he bought it for 790 million dollars in 2017 when Ford's did an estimation of what it's worth now it's 1.95 billion dollars the difference in money is it's not about viability if you have an NFL team it's impossible to lose money you you gain on your investment every single year going to London is just a cash grab. It's as simple as that. And just be honest with the fans. This is about cash. It's not about building a long-term thing in Jacksonville. It's just not. Talking Uncle Chaps from Barstool. Uh, at least you have Minshew Mania, right, man? Uh, are, do, yeah. do you like that? Do you feel like it is a beautiful thing or is it bullshit? I love it. I love Minshew Mania. I, he came around the last two games. When they first started playing... There was a lot of broken plays that he did really well. That, to me, that's not sustainable. You're not going to be Russell Wilson and be able to do that forever. He's He, whenever he first came in, he really struggled in the confines of the offense. Like, he couldn't get anything out on time. He couldn't find the receiver that was open. He didn't know how to go to his second and third read fast enough. Now, towards the end of the season, he was getting a little bit better with that. So I do have hopes that he could build the be the guy going forward because he's perfect. If you talk about what Duval is and what Jacksonville needs, it's that guy. It's the guy in denim cut off shorts with a bandana wrapped around his head that wants to take his first NFL vacation in an RV, not at the Ritz Carlton. I love Minshew. Have you had a beer with him? And do you want to see Nick Foles elsewhere? I do want to see Nick Foles anywhere but Jacksonville. I hate Nick Foles with a passion. Hate him because you can't tell me that this is about the journey and this is about going home to your wife and kids and getting better every day. Shut up, dude. It's about winning. You got blown out. That first half when he came back after tearing his or breaking his clavicle was the worst half. You could argue that it's the worst half any quarterback has ever had. He had, I believe it was five possessions in a row. Four of them were turnovers and one was for an interception. It was horrific. He's terrible. Get him out of my city. If they, if Nick Foles starts, just move the team to London. I won't even care. Just move him to London. I don't want him on my team whenever this, the year starts. I haven't had a beer with Minshew yet, but I would love to. And I would love to have many of them. All right, we've got to get that done. I have not heard that kind of anti-Nick full sentiment. Didn't just think boring. that existed. <laughs> I can't argue with you there. It's funny, though. You put up a better case for that than you did for Jacksonville deserving an NFL football team. So I Well, that's one that, that I really believe. I mean, that's one that I really, <laughs> truly believe. I don't want to be the Jags guy and be like, I don't know if Jacksonville really deserve it, but we have it. We deserve to keep yeah, it. Don't but... come robbing me like you're the the – NFL version of Robin Hood. It's about deserve. We have the money in our pockets right now. Let us keep it.
That's fair, brother. Uncle Chaps, really appreciate the time. Great stuff. Check him out on Barstool at Uncle Chaps on Twitter as well. Good to have you, man. Thanks, fellas. All right. It's a hump day, home at home. Home markets all over the country. There you get the Jacksonville perspective. Ahead, we'll get the L.A. perspective on, boy, the rich get richer. The Dodgers acquiring the second best player in baseball. They have eight players, Ross, that make more than $10 million a year. That's more than the bottom six teams in Major League Baseball combined. And proof of why baseball sucks. We'll talk to Randy Cardoon from Los Angeles after a break. Yeah, I mean, you know why baseball sucks too? Because baseball sucks. <laughs> Forget even the money or the Rogers, like the actual sport sucks. But I digress. Cafe El Torres CEO Dylan Miskowitz, he probably thinks baseball sucks. I know this, he experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it is no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes? Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. What fan base do you feel worse for? The Jags who have one foot, two home games out the door to London or the Boston Red Sox worth $6.6 billion, one of the most valuable franchises in all of sports, but yet just shipped away the second best player in baseball because they suddenly can't afford him. A lot to discuss here on a hump day home and home. We are radio.com sports original brought to you by zip recruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire. I don't know if it's so smart what the Boston Red Sox have done. I don't even know how you explain it to the fan base, but I sure know this. The folks in Los Angeles, the rich get richer. Let's talk to Randy Cardoon, Sports Director, KNX 1070 in Los Angeles. Randy, good to have you on Hump Dates. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. You now have eight guys on the Dodgers making more than $10 million a year. How you feeling this morning having acquired Mookie Betts and David Price, and the Red Sox are paying almost $50 million to send him your way. Well, I've never covered George Steinbrenner's Yankees from a New York perspective, but I'm beginning to get the idea what it feels like because the Dodgers, in, in adding Mookie Betts and David Price, I mean, this is basically turning into a team of all-stars. And uh, you've got some MVPs in there, Cody Bellinger and, and all the other bats that are coming around. And the Dodgers are deep enough to be able to make some trades to acquire uh, the two Red Sox players. So, uh, this, you know, it, it cranks up the pressure a little bit 
now that you have all this talent, you have to win, but it's a nice pressure to have. Yeah, so my question, Randy, is how much does this register or radar on the L.A. sports scene? You know, uh, we've had a lot of stuff in Los Angeles over the last couple years. LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, obviously the Kobe Bryant stuff, you know, being the biggest news with his tragic passing. I guess I'm just curious, in the L.A. landscape, acquiring Mookie Betts and, and to a lesser extent Price How high does that register on the radar out there? Well, in the last 24 hours, it's number one. I mean, the fact that you can acquire talent like that. And, yeah, we're in the middle of the NBA, and we're still feeling the effects of uh, Kobe's passing and all the people on that helicopter. Um, But this is a huge story here. I mean, the fact that the Dodgers, who haven't seen a World Series win since 1988, this is a team that keeps trying to get close. They get close, and then the whole cheating thing with the – with the Astros and many feel the Red Sox at this point, uh, that still is yet to be determined. But again, all that's going on with that. And now the Dodgers and the Lakers move the needle here. And anytime that the Dodgers do something or the Lakers do something, it's going to definitely move the needle for the city of Los Angeles and their sports fans. Talking to Randy Cardoon, sports director, KNX 1070 in LA. Give us the pecking order though. What is it always Lakers one Dodgers two? Where is USC football and where is the NFL? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I would like to say Lakers one, Dodgers two, unless it's baseball season, then it's Dodgers one, Lakers two. So they can interact and interchange. And, of course, over the last few years, it's been Dodgers one, Lakers two, because the Lakers haven't been doing much. And they've had a young team, and, and Laker fans are very frustrated and spoiled, to be honest with you, because the Lakers have shown so much success uh, as far as beyond that, I'd say one, two. I don't think there is a three. Then you got to go to four. And then you start getting into things like, at one point, USC football was right up there, but they've slid because of uh, the way they're be- they've been playing the last few years. Uh, UCLA basketball was big, and they've slid because of uh, their poor success. Let's see. I would say probably... Uh, Clippers are low. I would probably go Rams. Chargers are way down. Who am I, who am I forgetting? Certainly the hockey teams are way down. Um, USC football is probably in there at number five. Uh, UCLA football, they've been struggling. So it, it's a big gap between franchises that have been winning like the Lakers, or excuse me, like the Dodgers and now the Lakers and everybody else. Yeah, you mentioned, Randy, uh, and we mentioned the Kobe Bryant passing. There's been some some time now. It's been about 10 days, and I wanted to get your thoughts on how the Lakers franchise handled it, how the city of Los Angeles coped with it, and where people are at with their grief at this point. Oh, it, it's brutal. It's it's the news was brutal when it happened a week ago plus on on that Sunday. Uh, the way it happened, why what he was doing at the time it happened. I mean, you couldn't hit 
home any more than trying to take your own kid, your own daughter, your own son to their basketball game or, or practice and have something tragic happen like that. And plus, all the other families involved. John Altabelli, well-known in Orange County. Uh, he ran Orange Coast College Baseball, which just happened to be starting their season two days later. And everybody else involved in that. The people here are still mourning. And even LeBron James said the other day that this is going to follow them all throughout the season. It's going to be something that they're going to have to deal with every day because they go to play at Staples Center and they're going to look up and see the two Kobe jerseys on the wall. This is something that's going to be going on. We're going to, we're going to experience more of it during the NBA All-Star Game because they're going to be honoring Kobe Bryant. So it's been difficult to say the least, but the Lakers are hoping at this point um, – I think the way the Lakers handled it was fine. I I think they took their time. They didn't react right off the top. And, again, this was crushing because uh, the folks with the Lakers have an extensive history with Kobe, who was with the franchise for 20 years. He came in. He was 18 years old. And uh, Jeannie Buss and Kobe have known each other all that time. So it was a very difficult time for everybody. Talking to Randy Cardoon, KNX Sports Director, 1070 in L.A. Uh, and oddly, I think it has made the Lakers the least likely sentimental favorite nationwide to win an NBA title. I think you will really see this country pull for the Lakers come NBA playoffs, come NBA title time. But a lot of good news, as we mentioned, Mookie Betts headed your way. Is Tom Brady the next signature Boston athlete heading to the city of Los Angeles, and how much would it move the needle for a pathetic, one of the worst fan bases in the NFL? Yeah, I I think it would move the needle, but I don't think it will move the needle that much. Plus, I'm not totally sure he's coming here, although it looks like it's a good possibility if he decides to leave. Why not the Chargers? They have talent. Um, it just didn't work at quarterback. Phillip Rivers just had a horrible year last year from an interception point of view, tied for second in the league behind Jameis Winston. Um, if Tom Brady came here, he would certainly have a lot of tools and he would have a lot of guys. The defense is pretty decent. Uh, the Chargers offense, if you get an accurate throwing quarterback in there, Chargers offense could really score some points. They're tailor made for that. I just I just and I don't. You guys too would probably talked about it. Obviously, I just don't see him leaving New England. I I can't imagine a guy at his age is just going to sit there and and jump for money. I just don't see him deciding. Eh, I want to go here because you know New England's going to want to try and keep him. I am interested to hear you say, Randy, that you think it it would move the needle just a little bit. Really, Tom Brady in a new stadium. In L.A., you don't think that that would register that much or have that much of an impact. That's fascinating. Well, because the Charger fans are just so fractured here now. They had a seriously tough time dealing with the move to begin with. The San Diego fans didn't come to Costa Mesa, or excuse me, to Carson to watch the games. Uh, The fans in L.A., they were lukewarm about the Chargers to begin with. They wanted the Rams, or there's a huge Raider contingent out here. Big-time Raider fans. But the Chargers just didn't have the support from the fan base. And while it certainly made the franchise more valuable for the ownership to move to Los Angeles, 
Angeles from San Diego, uh, they found that their San Diego fans weren't coming up. So, yeah, it's going to move the needle. Who, I mean, you put Tom Brady on any team and it's going to move the needle, but I just can't imagine that it's going to move the needle incredibly to the point where they're going to be filling SoFi Stadium. Uh, it could, but again, I, I question whether or not that would work. Randy Cardoon, KNX 1070 in Los Angeles with this last question regarding football coming back this weekend to Los Angeles in the form of the XFL. There might be some cities in which I think it will do very well. How in the world does the XFL draw a crowd in Los Angeles when the NFL struggles to do so? And that's a really good question. I think, keep in mind, the L.A. extreme of the old XFL was the only champion of the league. Uh, And that said, we saw the other league, the uh, A, what was the A, I completely forgot what the AAFL or whatever it was. Uh, The other league that had San Diego and some other school, uh, other teams. They did okay, but they didn't last past the fourth or fifth week. The XFL, they're better funded. I think they're better organized. But, again, there's so much to do here. There's so much to see here. I'm not so sure. I agree with you. I'm not sure that the XFL is going to do really well in Los Angeles. Um, You know, from a fantasy experience, maybe. But there will be some people initially that go out to see it. Uh, The thing is, in Los Angeles, you need names. You need big-time athletes, and that, of course, supports your Tom Brady theory. But you need big guys to come in and really make a point here and, and grab the attention of uh, Los Angeles sports fans. And you're right. I'm not so sure the XFL is going to have the juice for this, at least from the start. Yeah, that's one city I would have steered clear of. We hope the XFL does well, but it would be a surprise in L.A. Randy Cardoon, sports director, KNX in Los Angeles. Appreciate you getting up early for us. Thank you. Anytime, guys. All right, Ross, uh, does the XFL have any chance in Los Angeles? And how surprising was that hearing that Tom Brady would move the needle a little bit? I I don't see why the XFL even has an L.A. team. That's surprising to me. There's two NFL teams. They don't support the second one very closely. To think they'll support an XFL team, I mean, I guess, I don't even know where the stadium is. I guess it's just such a big market. The tickets will be cheaper. It's different time of year that maybe they're thinking people will bring out their kids just as something to do outside that don't really care about the caliber of football. That's stunning to me. And as for Tom Brady, boy, that would surprise me. Um, I feel like he transcends things. And in L.A., I feel like everybody would feel like we got to go see Brady play. You got to go see Tom Brady play. I think that it would be huge for the Chargers. Frankly, if I'm the Chargers wanting to get off to a good start there financially in L.A. with the new stadium, I basically give him a blank check. Because whatever you pay Brady, you're going to get a return on that investment. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think there is only one guy. When you look at who you can get next season, looking at the free agent mark, there's only one guy that could move the needle because fans in Los Angeles love their stars. They have Kawhi, they have LeBron, now they have Mookie Betts, and they'd have this sense of there might be only 8, 10, 12, who knows? 
there's only a few more chances to see the greatest quarterback of all time in person. And I think a lot of people in the Los Angeles market would want to sign up for that opportunity. I think it's a big move they have to make. But the XFL, man, that's going to be trouble. All right, from football to life, imitating Arden, what do you do if you have a cold and you're meeting friends or vice versa if you're meeting a bunch of friends and one of them has a cold. Do you hug? Do you shake hands? How do you handle the decorum of that? Well, as always, Larry David, curb your enthusiasm, encountered a similar situation recently, as did Ross Tucker. But first, here's Curb. Oh, Larry David. Well, well. Hello, Laverne. It is so good to meet you. I have a cold. You have a cold. I don't want to get you sick. You have. That is so considerate of you. Thank you so much. You know what? Most people don't do that. <clears throat> they keep it to themselves. I like to think, what would I want someone to do if I were on the other side? And I want someone to tell me, and I want them to protect me. You know what you're doing. You're golden ruling it. I'm golden ruling it. You're golden ruling it, Laverne. Please join me in welcoming Larry David. Whoa. Apple. What are you doing? No, she has a cold. What is wrong with you? She has a cold. Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm, encountering one of life's great questions. How do you greet someone when you know they are sick? Do you shake hands? Do you give a hug? Do you wear a mask? Do you just say, nah, I'm good, no contact? Ross, you encountered a similar situation. Yeah, I mean, uh, multiple times recently, in fact. One was uh, a few weeks ago when I was a little bit under the weather and I can't remember where I was going to be or who I was going to be meeting. Uh, it might have been the, uh, I can't remember. And then one was yesterday, went out to lunch with a couple of friends. And it's funny, Dave, because I, I, there have been times in my life where you see somebody and I've been like, I'm not going to shake your hand. I have a cold. And they're like, oh, okay. And so you do that. But I feel like that is easier to do with friends or people you already know when it's someone that you've never met before. And it's the initial introduction. It's a little weird. It's a little bit weird to be like, I'm not going to shake your hand. I have a cold. Cause then part of them's wondering, does he really have a cold or does he not just want to shake my hand for some reason? And it starts off the encounter on an awkward note. So I can't remember where I was going, Dave, what I was doing, but I was certainly meeting people for the first time. And I talked to my wife about it and I said, you know, how do you think I should handle it? And she's like, you just shake their hand. You just shake their hand. It's a two way street. They know they're going to be shaking people's hands, meeting people. They should be washing their hands. They should be using hand sanitizer. You know, there's other people there that are probably sick as well. It's on every individual to make sure they are sanitizing. We call it sanitizer in my family. My daughter's hand sanitizer, sanitizer. It's their job to make sure they're sanitizing and to wash their hands. It's weird when you're the person that doesn't want to shake people's hands. Just shake their hand. 
That was my wife's advice, and I thought it was pretty good, and I went with it. Hmm. I go with the knuckles in that case. I'm not shaking a hand of someone who just told me they have a cold. Uh, just remind me again. You would you 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 would do what? You go to you're the one with the cold right now. You're meeting a group of friends. Do you say I have a cold? Do you reach out the knuckles or do you go for the handshake? How how do you play it? Group of friends, I either fist bump or say, "I'm sick. I'm not going to shake your hand." Group of friends. What's different is a business atmosphere, a work atmosphere with people you're meeting for the first time. If it's friends, fist bump, no problem. Okay, Ross is sick, no problem. If it's someone you're meeting for the first time, um, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Like they don't know you that well. So they don't know if you're like a germaphobe. They don't know if you just don't like shaking people's hands. It, it, it just creates an awkward situation. You yeah, know what? This Dave? is a tough one. It might have yeah. been. It might have been last weekend. I was wasn't feeling great before I went to Radio Row. It might have been that recent, and I think my wife said, "Just shake their hands," because she knew how many people I'd be meeting and how many people I'd be doing. And she's like, everyone there is meeting a boatload of people. You're not the only person that might have a little bit of a cold. It's their job to be hand sanitizer, to be washing hands. It's weird if you say to all those people on Radio Row, I can't shake your hand. Professional situation, absolutely have to shake the hands. I feel like the common cold is just everywhere in the season, and there's really not much you can do to avoid it. But again, yeah, that, that is the ultimate question is when you're with friends. I like the knuckles. Now, I encounter this all the time as a parent. And when a kid has a sickness, do you send them off to school? I had a, a daughter, um, my youngest seven-year-old was sick the other day. Do you send them to school when they're they're not that sick that they need to stay home? But on the same, on the other hand, like, do you expose that entire class to the cold that she has? And there are rules at my school if you have the flu, and that's the elementary school. If you have the flu, you cannot, under any circumstance, if you have a fever, you cannot, under any circumstance, send a kid to class. But for some reason, that rule goes away when they're in middle and in high school. So I guess at that point, they just say school is far too important to miss a day for a little bit of a fever. But we encounter this all the time. Generally, I opt for send them to school if they're feeling good enough to make it there, if they're feeling good enough. If they say, you know what, I I can go to school. I generally say, all right, I guess I'm going to expose 30, 40, 50, maybe 100 other kids to a cold because I feel like at school, again, those germs are everywhere, and the chances are those kids are getting sick either way, Ross. All right, so here's my question then, Dave. What about when you or your kids are sick? Now, your kids are a little bit older, but what's your philosophy on letting them drink out of your, like, drink cup like I have here? You know, because there are times where we're in the car, they're thirsty, I don't have anything for them to drink. Daddy, can I have some water? You know, like, I don't think my brother-in-law ever lets them drink out of his water cup. 
I think my wife is just like, go ahead. I am more, if I am sick or they are sick, no go. If we're both healthy, then okay, here you go. If I am sick, whatever. Uh, if I am sick, no one touches the cup. I'm going to try to protect them from whatever I'm got, whatever I've got, whether it's a water bottle, whether it's a coffee cup, um, sharing food, sharing chips. If I am sick, I wall myself off. If and when my kids are sick, I just kind of embrace the fact that I'm going to get it. I had a kid that had the flu recently. It was my youngest, my daughter. When she comes in and she wants daddy to lay with her, you know, I'm going to take it. I realize I am going to get sick. You take one for the team. That's what you do as a parent. You just welcome in the germs, bro. Just bring it on. Bring me the cold. Bring me the flu. Bring me whatever you've got. That's what we do, isn't it? You know, it's interesting because you're eventually going to get it anyway. I mean, it's very hard to fight. Although, you know what? There have been some instances recently where my wife and daughters both got something and I was able to stay away from it. So I don't necessarily agree there, especially during football season. I don't I don't welcome it in. It's no, don't touch. You don't welcome it in. Good for you for walling yourself off. I just welcome it all in. All right, we are shockingly out of time on a hump day tomorrow. A good show for you. The legendary Frank Caliendo, the comedian who does some incredible impersonations of celebrities, and in particular, football celebrities and broadcasters. You don't want to miss that on a Thursday and Nick Costos will join us. How do you think he fared on his Super Bowl bets, Ross? Uh, I don't remember. I'll be curious. Probably not very well. Nick Costos, Frank Caliendo combination has got all sorts of flammable and interesting potential. Can't wait for that show on a Thursday. That'll do it for us. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. See you Thursday. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home at Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.